Warning, The Five may contain discussions on topics such as death, suicide, rape, addiction, and abuse. Although these topics are approached in a therapeutic manner, they still may have triggering effects on some individuals. Viewer discretion is advised. Human beings are crafted through experience. Each person, from the closest of friend to the most random of stranger, has a unique story crafted by the ultimate experience that we call life. Welcome to The Five. The same five questions, a complete different experience every time i met today's guest on facebook and when we got together i found out he was just an amazingly awesome guy he's one of the sweetest nicest people that i know we became really good friends and really good friends at a time where i really needed a really good friend like this and it kind of brought me out of my shell uh he's super funny very good cook and I just can't say nice enough things about him. So how about you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I feel like this this is going to cost me, so I'll write you a check for all the nice things you've said about me. But uh, my name is Barry uh, Smith, and yes, I met on uh, Facebook. Very, very interesting. Um, and again, just to echo the sentiments, just one of the most amazing people I've ever met. Um, he tried to kill me once. That's a funny story. We'll talk about that some other time, maybe. Uh, but, uh, I've lived in Knoxville now, uh, 21 years. I was born and raised in upstate New York. And I always tell people I kind of hit the uh, parental lottery. You know, uh, I've got the best parents, you know, they didn't pick me. I didn't pick them. We were just kind of put together in the universe, you know? So, um, it is, it's hard to, to do an intro. I'll give you that for sure. Uh, but you know, I try to go through life being, you know, as, as nice as I can, I do have a, a mean streak for sure. If you poke and prod for sure, you'll find out, you know. Um, but overall, it's been an absolute pleasure just to have you as a friend, truly. Um, so you're important to me. I know we drifted apart a little bit. That's my mistake. So it wasn't anything you've ever done. So, uh, but I'm just glad we're circling back. I am too. A broken heart will do that to you every so often. <laughs> it does. Uh, it makes you... Recluse yourself, yep. Well, I'm really interested to hear your stories today, so how about we just go ahead and kick it off with what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? It's not too long ago. It's actually when my dad, we found out he had a heart attack, but he was clear on the other side of the country. And it's like, you know you know my dad. You know, he's not obese. You know, could he lose a few pounds? Sure. You know, but he always seemed to be like he he was always working. He was always busy. He never seemed sick. He always, he seemed almost indestructible to me. And then I get the phone call from my mom and it was in her voice. And it was just like, oh my God, like he's 1900 miles away. It's like, what, what do we got to do? And I got to hear his voice. It, it was a, it was a mild heart attack come to find out, but you don't know, you know, <laughs> and to put humor in it, cause this part was kind of funny. My mom has never flown commercial before. She's flown one time in her life prior to this moment. And she flew on a business jet and she hated it. And I'm like, Ooh, honey, if you hate me, like private jets, you're going to hate commercial, you know? So her request was, just as long as can we sit next to each other on the plane and my dad had a heart attack out in idaho he's in idaho falls idaho which is a you know tourist destination for sure said nobody 
So getting flights out there, you know, you're looking at 50 seat aircraft. They're not big, you know? So I couldn't find seats next to each other. And the only one I could find, they were in first class. And my mom's like, I don't give a shit, book it. Like, let's go. So I remember we, we set sail, if you will, in the afternoon. And regardless of what flight we took, it was going to take us all day to get there. Because we flew to Denver, long layover, then to Idaho Falls. But anyway, we, we finally got there. And the hospital, the visiting hours were over. And my dad was stable. But they led us up to see him. And just, I'll probably tear up. Just all the tubes. Like, that's not my dad. Like, what happened? You know? And you know me. I go into humor mode. <laughs> that's like my armor. I wrap myself in humor the best I can to deflect or whatever to process. And he was, he was coherent. You know, he was, he felt, he goes, I actually felt pretty good, you know? But then it was like he had to have open heart surgery. And, you know, they tell you all the risks about it, what's going to happen and all these things. <laughs> and I remember my dad wanted to come back here. He's like, I'm coming. I No, I'm not going to do it here. I want to be back in Tennessee. This is where I want to do it. And I just said over my dead body, you can't travel. And I said, damn it, dad, if it happens on the plane, there's nothing they can do. And then you're done for. And I got so mad at him so quick, which fired up my mom, of course, too, which I, did, I didn't mean to do that. But um, I remember the day of his surgery, we got to go back. He was being wheeled back at 7 in the morning. So we got to see him before he went. And just this past um, Monday, the 14th, my parents have been married 47 years. And they had to cut my dad's wedding band off. It just, it wouldn't come off. He's been wearing it for 47 years. He's never taken it off. And I've never really seen my dad cry, but he teared up because that meant so much to him about his wedding band. <laughs> and he looked at my mom and he's like, "I, honey, I'm so sorry. She goes, oh God, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, like, get it off your finger. So we had to get cutters out of the operating room, these diamond cutters. And we broke the first set. It would not cut his wedding band. We got the second set brand new out of the box. God knows how much these things cost. It's barely putting a notch in this thing. And we're like, what the hell is this ring made out of? You know? And he's like, they said white gold. He goes, but Barry, this was the seventies. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we, we couldn't get it off. And they were trying to pull, um, but a guy came in with a thread. I don't know if you've ever seen that thread trick. They can use a thread, get it underneath there, and they can actually wiggle the ring off. So they finally got the ring off, and it has this little little notch. And I was one of the ones in there cranking on it to try to get it off his finger. And uh, so I see that little notch. You know, part of that's my fault. Sorry, yes, you know. And it was funny. They they wheeled him back. You know, we went back as far as we could. And right before you go through, you know, the doors back into the OR, my dad goes, Wee! you know, like this. And a voice in my head said, he's going to be all right. He's going to be okay. So then it was the waiting period. Now we got to wait. And at first we were getting updates, good updates. He's doing great. 
we're doing this. He's doing great. He's oh everything great. He's doing great. And then all the updates stop. And we're in a waiting room and we see his name. We see his name on the screen. And then it disappeared. And we were supposed to be in that room for the consultation. They were supposed to come and see us. But his name disappeared off the list. So literally, our hearts are like, we just sat there because we're like, we don't, what, what's, what's that? We don't know what to do. And so we went out into the hall. There's nobody there. And we finally see a nurse and we just grab her. And mom and I are very emotional at the moment because we're terrified of what just happened. And she goes, oh, no, you're in the, the wrong waiting room. <laughs> we're like, what? what? Huh? We were told to come here. She's like, no, there's two. So there's enough, like, right around the corner. We're like, damn it. You know? So we worked ourselves up for nothing. But we finally get the call, or we, we get brought in, and they said, he's in his recovery room. You can go see him. So they have to, like, badge us in, and, and we're walking down there. And they're like, he's the first room on the left. So we're walking, and my mom, she's like, you go first. I'm like, you, it's, he's your husband. You go first. But we remember seeing his mom years ago, like 30-plus years ago, have open heart, and she was gray. Like, just, like, I, I don't think she's alive. That's what we were expecting him to look like. That's it. And uh, so we walk into the room, and I have my eyes closed at first because I'm like, I don't want to see this. I'm not ready to see what he looks like. And I opened my eyes, and I was like, it looks like he's taking a nap. <laughs> he looks normal, but he's got, obviously, he's intubated. He's got, you know, everything going on. He was still unconscious. He was coming out of anesthesia. The, the bedside nurse, Max, amazing. Like, this guy, whatever. Like, I think he is an angel sent here. Um, and he was waking up. And your, your hands are restrained, so you don't reach for the tube and pull it out. So dad was waking up, and you see him. He struggles for a minute with his hands because he starts to panic. And then Max is right in his ear, just, you know, a very soothing voice. Like, I'm like, I need you to read me bedtime stories. Like, that's such a good voice. And he's just, and then you can see my dad. You know my dad. He's smart. He's analytical. And the gears started turning. He opened his eyes. The gears turned, and he's like, oh, okay. All right. And he just stopped. And then he just started waking up in his eyes. He starts blinking and we're like, all right. And there's only, there's, I mean, a million screens in there. And there's a machine, a blue machine that's doing his breathing. And it has a blue line and a yellow line, a blue line and a yellow for every time my dad will breathe. And Max goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, your dad wants to get the hell out of here. He wants to live. Because you see that blue line? That's him initiating the breathing first, not the machine. That's the yellow line. And the machine's not doing any of the work. He's like, your dad wants to get the hell out of here as soon as possible. He goes, he's a fighter. So he, dad came to. He sees us. And you can see he, he smiles. You see his face. He, his face lights up when he sees us. And uh, he's still intubated. And Max, another nurse, comes in. They said, you're probably going to want to leave for this because this isn't pretty. The extubating thing or whatever you call it. So we step outside. 
in just a few minutes, and then we come back in, tubes out. He's breathing on his own. Everything's great. And the only thing that's not where they want it is his body temp. It's just a little bit low. Everything else, blood everything's great. So he's got, you know, my bed jet thing? So the industrial ones at the hospital, like just, it's, I couldn't stand near him. It was so hot. This thing was blow, like 130 degree air just to warm him up. I couldn't stand next to him very long because it was so hot. And the nurse was explaining. Now, he was just extubated. You know, his throat's going to be really raw and sore. It's probably going to be a good hour or so before he can speak. And swear to God, when Max said that, all my, you hear my dad go, hot, <laughs> hot. And my dad just starts talking, uh, which it was, it was, it was funny. And, um, and from that point on, it just kept getting better. But the scary part was just, what happens if we don't get there in time? And when his name disappeared and we didn't know where he was in the system, and, and my mom, I, I didn't say this, my mom goes, what happens if we lose him? And I'm like, I, I cannot process, process that right now. Please don't bring that up. You know, and the biggest thing was, is we kind of had to relive it again with my sister because she was coming she got a flight, but the next day, that's when she could get out there. And it was just, we had to calm her down. Even though we FaceTimed and all that stuff, it was just, your nerves are just rattled. And I've never experienced that before. I've lost grandparents and stuff like that. But they were sick. They had things going on. It, it Okay, it made sense. I got this. And, and here's my dad. You know, he's only 69. This happened when he was 67. He he was never not strong, you know? And I'm like, I'm not prepared to be the man of the family yet. Like, this, I, you can't relinquish this role yet. I'm not ready for it. So it was the worst. Of, the thing was is that the I was so terrified that my mom was just going to lose it because they are so in love with each other. And that woman... <laughs> She was the most calm and collected and everything out of all of us. It was, it was so amazing. So that, that scared me. That scared the shit out of me. You know, I stayed out there for three weeks to help him get better, you know, um, but that sucked. Anything with parents or, and I'm sure with children, I don't have one, but I know that's got to be like just the scariest thing ever. I know, you know, Anytime my dad had to go to the hospital like a couple of times during COVID. Actually, I had to take him to the emergency room like three times in a row, you know, and they kept just just like sending him out. They'd give him an IV and be like, oh, he's okay now and send him away. And uh, because they didn't want to keep anybody during COVID. And I finally went the last time and uh, took him to the emergency room. And, you know, it's like it's scary because like he's not even like himself. He's like he's talking weird stuff and you know and you're just like and he looks so weak and everything and I really I, when I went in I said hey I just need to talk to the doctor for just like one minute I can't go back there you know they've got me at the door and my dad's just barely making it walking into the emergency room himself you know and they've got me stopped at the door because of COVID and I was like I just need to see like a doc like the doctor for the ER doctor for just like one minute because you know my dad's been here like three times now and everything and they were like oh you we can't see and I was like it's just for you know and like the doctor come finally come out you know because I was like I'm not gonna leave 
I'm not going to leave, you know. And so he just comes. I was like, I just got to talk to him for just a minute. And I was like, if you keep my dad and put him on an IV and then send him out again without, like, doing some tests or something, I said, I will find you. I was like, I'm not threatening you. I'm just saying that I am going to be looking for you if you do this again. And, like, you know, he was, like, taken aback. He's like, hey, you know, I'm doing what, you know, and I'm like, I'm just telling you. Like, if my dad doesn't at least get some tests run, like, you know. And so when they went back, they were like, his sodium was so low that they were like, we're not sure why he's not in a coma. Because he didn't have enough sodium in his blood to, or in his nerves to run the impulses from his brain all the way through his body. And so they immediately put him in critical care and he was whisked away and it's during COVID. So like, I'm like, we're outside. We can't even go see him. And they're like, he's in critical care. And I just remember thinking that may have been the last time I saw my dad alive. You know, it's the scariest thing. Like you, that you just feel helpless and you feel sick and you feel everything. So I know, you know, I know that kind of feeling and everything. And that bad thing is we all end up having to go through it at some point in our life. That's that's so true. I, I distinctly remember, you know, obviously Sean Patty lost his father several years ago, but I distinctly remember Sean saying, Barry, your parents are here. Spend as much time with them as you can because he regretted it. That's what he said. He didn't spend enough time or it just... It just wasn't enough for him. I should have spent more time, you know, and I go over there every Saturday, you know, to spend time with them. And I, I talk to him throughout the week and, you know, and I know you, you see your dad and, and talk to your dad quite a bit, but, um, there was, uh, he was recovering. Uh, it was like maybe the third day. I think the crazy thing is, is he had a heart attack on Tuesday, the t- May 10th, drove himself to the hospital. Cause of course my dad, he's like, I could beat, I could beat the ambulance. So drove himself to the hospital where his apartment was there, which is 30 minutes away from the hospital he ended up at for the surgery. And um, they stabilized him, and then they transported him the next day. But he was cath on Wednesday, had open heart on Friday. He was walking by 11 a.m. on Saturday, and he was discharged the following Wednesday. Like nothing ever happened. And it's like, how you feel? Is it good? Do you have no? Are you good? Yeah. And it was just like nothing, you know, and the year prior he had both of his knees replaced and he goes, that was a hell of a lot worse than this. And it was just nuts. And that, that's the, the level of like, even when he had his knees done, he didn't, they gave him oxy. And I think he only took two or three. He hated the way it made him feel. So he goes, just give me like the strong Tylenol and I'll be all right. And they're like, no, you're going to need it. He goes, I don't want it. I ain't going to take it. And he didn't. And it was just, I think they're just built differently back then, you know? Um, but when we were, he was still in his, it was the post-surgery recovery room still in, in the critical care section. It was two rooms down, somebody coded and they didn't make it. And hearing the commotion, hearing that, hearing the sobbing of the people and your doors, they come around, they close all your doors when it happens. And um, just hearing that, and it was like, that could have been us. 
this could have been a totally different outcome. And, uh, yeah, so scary. And the hard part was you just worry the whole plane ride over there, you know, and of course flying from Denver to, or landing in Denver, they had a high wind warning. It was the bumpiest landing I have ever been in. And I've flown, I've flown a lot. It even scared the crap out of me. <laughs> so, oh, uh, twice. And my mom's like, what? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, I don't know what just happened, but whoa, that did not feel good. So, but, uh, <laughs> that to button all this up, you know, my dad, he's doing very, very well. He's doing great. And, uh, but my mom says, <laughs> and pardon my friend, she goes, you pull this shit again. You better do it here. <laughs> I ain't flying back up there. <laughs> and, uh, so. But yeah, you're right. It's with parents. Yeah, I don't have kids. I myself am a child, but I don't have kids. I couldn't even imagine, you know. Remember, we would get hurt. What were our parents thinking? You know, they were terrified. And uh, it's something that, you're right, we'll all have to go through it, but you're just never ready for it. And I think I try to keep, you know, my my crap together the best I can. And there's times I'm like, I'm about to lose it. I don't know what's going to happen. So... Terrifying for sure, but I'm I'm just glad it came out on the on the better. I'm glad it did too. So I guess we can move on to uh what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Monster trucks, right? Bigfoot, right? Back in the day, loved it. So this is when I lived up in New York and the monster truck thing that remember used to go across the nation and they do all the shows. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sell you the seat, but you'll only need the edge. Exactly. Yes. And then you'll never hear correctly again, you know, in your entire life. So stoked. So dad and I, dad got tickets. We're going. It was kind of a birthday present. This could be really cool. It was at the War Memorial in Syracuse, New York. So we get in there, got good seats. This I'm so excited. I'm wearing a new jacket I got for my birthday. So happy about this jacket. Oh, actually, wait. Was it my birthday or Christmas? Ooh, I can't. It's one of the two. I can't, I think it was actually Christmas. New jacket. Love this jacket. So we're there. Everything's cool. Like lights go out. You know, the show starts, you know, it's doing all the light, blah, blah, blah. And the first truck that comes out is this, I can't remember the name. It's a Chevy. Just loud as hell. Um, So loud. We had earplugs in too, but it was like over, hand over your ears, bonkers. And it's in, inside a concrete dome. So it reverbs like there's no tomorrow. And then the next thing I know, I'm on the ground. I get hit from by something. So, and I feel it in my face. My face is burning. I'm bleeding. I've cut. I'm like, what the hell? And in the process, this thing hit my dad too. And he saw me go forward. A six foot light globe came detached because of the vibration. And it fell, I think 30 to 40 feet down so the guy behind me, and I'm right here, it fell between us. The guy saw it, so he pushes it, oops, as I break stuff, of which you would, you push it away from you. You don't know what it is. So it shatters. Thank God it's plastic. And it's like plastic from the 40s, so it's razor thin. It's just deteriorated. It shatters, and it just goes across my face, and it just lacerates my face like a razor blade, like these super fine cuts. And... I don't remember if the show, if it stopped or not. I can't remember. All I remember is being kind of picked up by my dad 
and pushed into the aisle and people just kind of whisked me away. And I'm in the infirmary of, of the war memorial. <laughs> and the only thing I'm really mad about is I got bloodstains on my jacket, my new jacket that I wanted, you know? And, uh, it was so weird explaining it to the people like now what happened? And the guy that was behind me finally found us to say, and other people showed up. They're like, yeah, we saw it fall. So there was people across the way who saw it. It made the news and everything. Um, and I bore the brunt of it. <laughs> and it was just, I got blood on my jacket and I didn't get to see the monster truck show. So mad. But it was so weird. You never expect a light to fall on you. It's terrifying. And the crazy thing is, is like the following year, they we would, Dad and I would always go to the car show. And it was in the war memorial. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to go there. We went. All those lights are gone. They were worried we were going to sue. And attorneys approached us to sue because we were going to win something. And my parents, they're just not like that. They're like, pay for the medical bills. They had a butterfly in my face shut. They didn't stitch, so I didn't get scars. But you could see, like, under my sideburns, there's some lines. Um, it just paid for the dry cleaning of the jacket. That was it. That was all we wanted to cover. And truly, that you know, I get accidents happen, okay, but, you know, was it negligence? I don't know. But uh, it's just something you never expect. You're sitting there about to watch the coolest thing ever, and then a six-foot light globe just breaks loose and just comes crashing down on top of you. It's like, maybe I should play the lottery. I don't know. <laughs> it actually makes me think, uh, I used to go to some of those shows and everything, but we used to have a dirt track that was close to the house. And uh, I remember they had something called the road hogs. And that was like, they would just allow these people to bring in these giant old cars that were like, you know, like the lead sleds. And they would just, race these cars around this thing like as fast as they could and that like it's like an old like you know like Monte Carlo they're huge and stuff and uh I remember watching it one time and there's this like kid just running along the fence like and the fence is like not like one of the fences like at a NASCAR thing where the it's like super thin it's just look like it's like cables so basically the cars don't like fly out onto the crowd but it doesn't protect you from anything else. And all of a sudden this car comes and it like slams into the wall and you see this little kid and he's just like running. He's like running to the concession stand and all of a sudden you just see him go bloop and he just falls over and a big chunk of the wall had come off and flew and hit him in the side of the head as he was running. And like, you know, everybody's standing up and they're like, oh my gosh and everything, you know, and the uh, they can, a medical team comes down there and gets him and they end up just giving the family free concessions and they're fine with it like the kids got blood and got a big bandage on his head but he's like in the crowd with like hot dogs and nachos and everything and i was like man this is east tennessee right here at its finest okay you have to admit it because i think that would still make us happy too like wait we get free nachos and hot dogs okay i'm all right <laughs> And I didn't have to miss the show. I think we, hey, can I get a cheese cup to dip my pretzel in? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it's crazy. This happened a long time ago. I, I truly do not remember how old I was, but um, it, it wasn't about trying to get rich or anything. It was just, and my dad was like, well, 
have somebody check these damn things. This can't. This could kill somebody, you know. And sure enough, they did. They went through, gutted the whole, all that the lighting uh, structures, and took them all out and replaced them. So, sorry, I have a whisker tickling my nose. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, it's just weird. And when I tell that story to people, they're like, "Wait, what fell on you?" I'm like, "I know, I know. You don't expect it, but that's what happened." I can't believe as much as we've talked about things that never has came up. Because that is just a terrifying story. Now I'm going to be looking at lot fixtures from the rest of my life at these shows. Seriously. Oh, you'll always, when I go inside somewhere, I always look up. I'm like, what could fall on me now? It's just not the expected thing. Uh, did I tell you about the hammer claw on my head? No. <laughs> I never told you that story either. This was self-inflicted. So this was not something that was weird. It was just something, I was just an idiot. But long story short, was a kid. My parents, the house was for sale. They had the realtor over, stuff going on. Kids were across the street playing in the woods because we had a fort, a fort. You know, we're like, oh, we're moving a fort. So I remember I had a saw, like a handsaw, and I was cutting through a board, and whatever it was, somebody needed the saw, like the big bully kid needed the saw. So gave him the saw, so had a hammer. I was mostly cut through the board. I was like, cool, I'll just swack, you know, whack it with a hammer, crack it, we're done. Little, I didn't know physics then, per se. I never flipped the board over so it would break away. So it just acted like a spring. So I took the hammer and I went whack, and it went bam, and it went whack right into my head. I thought it hit me. It, it's like dazed me for sure. And then I turned to look, and I remember my sister came into focus, and she just screamed. And then I could focus on the handle, because it's stuck in my skull. The claw is in my head, and I see the handle. So, of course, I take off running across the street, blood-curdling scream. My parents are meeting with the realtor. I, I don't know if there was people there looking at the house yet or not. I can't remember that part. But also, and my mom says, oh, my God, I saw my kid running across the street. This hammer that fell out the road. And she was, I just put my arms out and picked him up. And, you know, they're like, God damn it. What the hell? <laughs> so uh, they took me to the doctor and it didn't it didn't break through, but it took out. There's two little bumps back there where it filled in, but it, it took out some chunks. But, yeah, that was uh, but totally self-inflicted. As kids, I think there's a lot of times that we just managed to make it somehow i learned about physics at a much later age <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah oh god i did all sorts of stuff but the, the light falling is probably one of the weirdest ones well see this was worth it because i got two stories that i've not heard and we've talked about like about everything everything there's a couple more too i'll share we'll we'll, get, we'll have a movie night and we'll and not terrifier too i don't care what you do i will watch it don't try it i've heard horror stories about it so i don't want to see it i got him to watch the first one and like he sent me like a text like did they just do what they i think they done and he's never forgiven me so that's the backstory but on that no because he's like oh it's not it's not that it's not that bad <laughs> uh-huh whatever <laughs> i watched it at your house so we're watching terrifier too all right, whatever. All right, so we've done scariest, weirdest. Oh, we got scariest, we've got weirdest. Now, what's the most memorable moment of your life so far? So I was thinking about this. There's there's a couple. They kind of rank up there, but the one that keeps coming back into my into my head, obviously, you know, you know I'm gay. 
you know, my coming out was, was a pretty, pretty smooth one, really. Um, you know, I blessed for that again, parental lottery for sure. But it was, it was my dad talking to other people about me. Like they knew my sister was married and all that stuff. And they, oh, is your son married? And, and at the time, my dad's answer was, well, it's not legal yet. You know, and the, just the way he said it. And they were like, wait, huh? what? Your son's gay? Like, yeah. And some people are like, ooh, how does that, like, does that, you know. And, and my dad will be perfectly, perfectly frank. Be like, you know, he goes, I don't agree with everything. But look at, you know, you're my son. You always have been. You're the same person. I just want you happy, healthy, you know, safe. Um, but some people were like, wow, man, you're just, you know, you're tolerant. And my dad, what he said was like, I'm unwilling to lose my son over this. And that just sticks with me because I know a lot of people, excuse me, don't have that story. They don't have that resource, you know, they're, they've been ostracized by their parents or they're treated very differently. And I think if anything, it's brought my parents and I closer you know, than what we ever were. Um, but he was the man I was the most worried about. I didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't want to let him down, you know, and I said, sorry that the family name is going to stop here. And then his joke was like, we have the second most common name literally in the world. I think we'll be okay. You know? <laughs> so, um, and that it, it still sticks out to me. Now, this, this, and this happened a while ago. It's just because I, like, I expected my mom's reaction to be what it is. She's like, oh, honey, I'm going to love you no matter what and all that stuff. And it was just my dad, you know, and he, he never said anything bad against, you know, gay people or anything like that. But it was just, he's, he's a masculine guy. He's a man. He's, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, here we go. I'm just going to, you know, disappoint the hell out of him. And it's. Like every time I see him, he says how proud he is of me, you know, he's like, look at what you've done with your life. You, you know, you're doing wonderful things and I can't be more proud. And I mean, when you get praise from your parents, it just makes you feel just top of the world, you know? So that definitely, that definitely sticks with me. Not a very long story, but, uh, that's a very memorable moment for me. It's a very powerful one, you know? You do have very good parents. I was lucky enough to get to work with your dad, and he's just just an awesome guy, you know, and everything. And I've got to meet your mom, like, once. Yeah, he thinks you rock. And when I told him you were sick, he's like, if he needs help, you what? You let me know. We will help. He goes, that's a good, and he goes, Barry, that's a good, good man there. So he thinks the world of you. I appreciate that. He really does. It's funny. That shows how much you love your parents because, like, your biggest fear is like disappointing your parents, you know, with something that you have no control over and everything like that. So I always think what unlucky people is that when they do tell, they do disappoint their parents. It's, it's crazy. I, it's crazy. I think the things people will let come between the things they love, you know, they'll let society you, they'll let society they'll love what society thinks more than what they love their own children and stuff for it just blows my mind or well in the conversation that i did you know have with my parents i said i'm not here to change your beliefs i'm not saying that you have to agree with everything that you know i am and and it, 
you know, and I've said this, like, oh, you know me. It's I don't lead. That's not my identity. I never lead with it. It's not because I'm ashamed or anything like that, you know, but I'm never going to make them or force them to make a decision, you know, to alter their beliefs. You know, it's like you either do this or I'm out of here. Like, I would never give them an ultimatum like that. They have done so much for me in my 43 and a half years of existence. You know, the very least I could do is just be honest with them, you know, to repay them the best that I can. And, uh, but it has opened my eyes to other people. Like you were saying that just, it went the absolute polar opposite way. And I feel for them. I really do. But at the same time, I can't speak from experience because I haven't been through that. I don't, I've disappointed my parents. So get me wrong. I've disappointed them plenty of times, you know? But uh, with something like this, it was, for some reason, it made, it's more magnetic. Like we've stuck together even more. And it's just been, it's, I've just been blessed with that, you know? And it's, if there's one thing, you know, because obviously, you know, when your parents pass away, they want to leave behind stuff for you. And I'm like, no, you've worked your whole life for all this stuff. I want you to go out and do everything you want to do. Take every last dollar, go do it. If this is the one thing I could be left with is knowing that they aren't disappointed in me and they're proud of me, you can't put a price tag on that. And I'll take that to the bank for sure. So I'm so sorry. I have the worst whisker. I know this is going to make a good podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, I think that's perfectly fine. There'll probably be people on here that would like to pay you money just to watch you rub your beard. So <laughs> I, yeah, coincidentally, I've had some interesting offers. So. <laughs> People are like, hey, could you do no? Oh, how much? <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah, like, wait, hold up. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Oh, <laughs> uh, I always say everybody has a price, you know. But um, but yeah, that's that's something I'll I'll hold up in my heart forever, for sure. Well, I always hate to bring it down, especially at the end of the uh, episode or close to the end of the episode, but what's the saddest thing that's ever happened to you? It just happened in January. And I'll, this is still tough to talk about, but just Sophie, you know, having to say goodbye. And she was fine. Everything was fine. And then everything wasn't fine. And the decision had to be made. And it was not an easy one. But I got to hold her. Just held her head as it got heavier and heavier and heavier. And then when the, the vet said, okay, that's it. She's gone. <laughs> My parents still have a hard time too. It's, it's uh, <laughs> I've lost grandparents and I haven't cried this much, you know. But she was such, I mean, her paw print is definitely on my heart. She came into our lives at the most perfect moment in she embodied, you know, I grew up with dogs, had them my whole life, and she embodied the best of every single one of them, every single one of them, and not a flaw about her. And, you know, that, that year, the year prior before she passed, or we, we had to put her to sleep, she had three major surgeries, and she came through all of them. She was having tumors removed. She had her spleen removed. I mean, all these things to make her life better, and then come to find out whoever it was, they didn't see it, but she had this massive malignant tumor in her intestine blocking it. And they said, she's not going to survive 
you know, she had like a 30% chance to survive the surgery. And if it went wrong, they'd have to euthanize her on the table and we wouldn't be able to say goodbye. And that would have been the worst thing for me. So, and the hardest part when it was that day, we went to the vet. I met my parents there and that vet lights a candle and has it on the front counter with a little sign. Sorry. That, please be respectful because we have to say goodbye to one of our fur babies. When we walked in and we saw that, because we've seen that candle before and we saw the candle lit, we just lost it because we knew it was hers. But it was so weird because she was at the, the vet for observation because she kept getting sick because of the blockage. We didn't know until the decision was made that that's what it was. And we went to the viewing room and we thought she was going to be like on a doggy gurney or something. And no, they open the door. She comes trotting in, wagging her tail like, all right, guys, let's go home. And we're like, holy shit, did we make a mistake? Like, we've already signed. Like, what's going on? And so I just got down on the floor and started playing with her. And I noticed she smelled weird. Just, you know, so if she, she had a spa day every month. She was <laughs> pampered, spoiled, rotten. Always smelled like, you know, like perfume. And she always smelled good. And she just smelled weird. And I looked at the vet. I'm like, she smells funny. And the vet's like, it's her body is shutting down. This is, this is, you know, she said whatever that, the name of the whatever was, and I, whatever. And, um, and I asked, is she in pain? And she goes, she is. And so we got the love on her for a while. But she laid down. She looked me dead in the eye. And if she could talk, she would have said, I gotta go. And she looked at each of us. And it's August. I mean, this is back in January 11th. And it's just been tough. Sorry for crying being a big baby, but. No, that crying doesn't tough. make you a big baby. That makes you a real man. It's so hard to say goodbye. Because it's like, they're never here for your whole life, but we're there for all of theirs. And it's just not, it's not fair, you know, but, you know, and there's, there's people out there that were never pet people and they don't get it. And they're like, oh, see, this is why I would never want a pet because of this. I'm like, yeah, but we had 13 years of unconditional love. <laughs> like you can't put a price tag on, you know, you're going to say goodbye one day, one day you will. And, uh, but I hit my mom really hard. Um, but I did some, I, I took a picture of Sophie years ago, like an un, like untouched, unfiltered, just a, her coat was shiny. Her eyes were sparkly. Like she was, woo, you know, I think she was maybe five or six at the time, just beautiful picture. And I sent that off to have a, have a charcoal sketch made on a canvas <laughs> In hindsight, being 2020, it turned out I didn't really introduce it to my parents very well because I told them 
uh, they were building or they're almost done with a movie theater in their in their house downstairs. And I said, oh, I found a really cool movie poster and I wanted to get it for the theater, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and dad was actually, you know, in Idaho on business. So he's on FaceTime and mom was holding the phone and I pulled it out, turned around and my mom just collapsed. And I was like, oh, God, and we all start bawling. And I didn't know my dad was actually in the office up there and he's crying. I'm like, oh, boy, I did not time this very well. So, but uh, once the, um, once the theater's done, which would be just a couple more weeks waiting for the furniture and stuff, she's got a, a spot where she, that picture's going to be hung up, but that, uh, she still comes to visit. She's here. I know. I just, I hear her. I feel her. She's trotting around. So, but, uh, yeah, that's, I've lost other dogs and that was sad, but letting her go was the worst. I've never I never held held the dog as it just goes lifeless. And it's just, a, it's a weight you don't forget. And, and there's that one final sigh, and that was it. And you couldn't change your mind if you wanted to, because it's just too late. It's done. And then a couple of days later, we get the paw print. And then, you know, we're like, oh, bless America. You're somewhat moving on, and then here comes this, and the Rainbow Bridge poem, and all that stuff. And so that was uh, for anybody who's lost a pet. I know what you're going through. Yeah, when you're an animal person, pets are family. They're not just a pet. Oh God! Oh yeah, she was family number five. Yep. Yeah, and it is hard for animal people, people who aren't animal people, to kind of wrap their heads around it sometimes and everything, you know. But if you are Actually, you know, crazy enough, I've done almost, well, I've done 30 something episodes, you know, and losing a pet is like one of the top saddest over everything, you know, and everything that's, it, it is a huge thing, you know, but everybody's kind of said the same thing, which I want everybody out there to listen to that is afraid to get an animal because you're going to one day lose it. It's like. You have to accept all that love and everything for all those years for the 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 time that's gonna happen, you know, when they they pass on. But you can't you can't like not enjoy the all the happiness from it just for the sadness at the end. That's it. And knowing they don't know they're dying, they don't know. It's, there's no, they don't have a mortality. There's no. Like, oh, I know at some point in time my life is going to end. They don't have, they don't process it that way. They're just like, I got to say goodbye or I got to be in my friend's arms or whatever. And that's, that's it, you know, because you are there everything, you know, and you always feel guilty too, considering getting another pet a couple, maybe a couple months later, because you're like, I don't want to replace that pet. It's like, you'll never, we'll never replace her. You know, Sophie's always going to be Sophie, you know, she forever you know and uh and i just know and i don't know if you've ever seen that that meme i just saw it the other day made me cry but it was like a little dog it was a it was a boy and his dog and he had to go to the vet and the dog was being put to sleep and the boy's holding the dog and so the dog's up in heaven being asked like you know what brought you up here it's like i don't know but i was hugging my best friend you know no but what killed you i don't know but i was hugging my best friend you know that's all they and looking down, they see the boy like really upset. And he's like, I, I have to get back down there to him. You know, like you can't, but you could send 
and that there's a little puppy, you can send her, but you need to train her first. And he's like, okay. So when he's really upset, this is what you need to do. <laughs> and I know it's just that that's the way I think it's going to work. <laughs> it's just, that's the way I want to think it works. So I know at some point in time, Sophie will send down somebody that she's trained to, to cope with us. Whew. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, it feels good about talking about stuff like this. You know, we don't, uh, we don't express our emotions to people like we should a lot of times, I don't think. And I have no idea how many people are going to see this. So I just did that. <laughs> so, um, here we go. <laughs> and it actually leads us to the last question, which is especially with you, because you are one of those people that like, you know, when I need advice and everything, I always kind of go to Barry. So based on your life experience so far, what's the best advice you can give the people out there listening? Oh God. Life is full of plenty of serious moments. Be serious in those, but the rest of the time, oh my God, laugh at it. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take things too personally. It's really easy to get offended by things these days. Don't let it bother you. There's so much little minutia out there. People saying, you know, people don't like you. Who cares if someone doesn't like you? Whatever. Move on. You know, I would care if you didn't like me anymore. That would bother me. But I probably did something to drive that behavior. But if somebody's like, oh, I met him once and yeah, I just, yeah, he's like, you know, whatever, blah. Cool. Guess what? I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. So laugh at yourself. Make mistakes. Who cares? But at the end of the day, when you do screw up, fall on the sword, apologize, and just move on. Don't try to white lie your way out of it. We've all done it before. We all try to get out of it to make ourselves feel a little bit better about that crappy decision that we made. Just say, you know what? I screwed up. I didn't think about your feelings. That's my fault. I've been a bad friend. How can I make it up to you? And I am sorry. And I'll tell you what. You give. Forgiveness is divine. What's the saying? To err is human. Forgiveness is divine. Or to forgive is divine. When you forgive somebody, like... You feel very powerful, you know, because you let that ju just get it off your shoulders. But yeah, don't don't take things too seriously. There's the serious moments and treat them as such. But outside of that, laugh. God, have fun. Seriously, we're just talking about death. How many times now? Life is too short. It's It's just... I see it now. People are in a constant state of anxiety. They're anxious. They're, they're looking for ways to get offended, if that makes sense. They want to be offended by so many different things that are out there. Is that a life you want to live? To be that amped up to be triggered by so many things? If somebody makes an off-color joke about being gay, I'm like, ha-ha, you know. Sometimes I'm like, actually, that was pretty funny. You know, I'm going to use that one later. You know, but I just kind of, if it's malicious and intent, like they're coming at me, they're trying to draw some blood, I'll address it then. But if it's just kind of like a flight of fancy, oh, I heard this joke and they repeat it and they're like, you know, don't get offended. You know, if you don't like the joke, don't laugh at it. You know, you don't have to repeat it. You don't have to use it again. But I've, I could be very uptight. You know this. I could be very, I try to be a perfectionist about things. And guess what? There is nothing perfect. The only thing that I found is perfect is imperfection. 
That's the one thing you can count on is imperfection. So just bask in it. Know you're going to screw up and just say, whoops, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Let's just fix it. But make sure you laugh about it and pick on your friends because they need it. <laughs> you know, the thing you said about like falling on the sword when you do something wrong and forgiven when something's been done wrong to you. I think that's like one of the biggest things that like the just the past few years, really, because I was always like the the top that was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm sorry or if I feel like validated in what's going on, I'm gonna be angry about it and everything like that. Not in a bad way, but like in a I'm not gonna make this easy because you've done something wrong, so it shouldn't be easy on you, you know? You should suffer a little bit before there's forgiveness and everything. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I've just had to, like, reevaluate, and I'm like, do I want to waste my time with that? You know, it's like, do I want to spend that time angry at somebody and possibly carry that on and it end a friendship or something like that or, you know... Or do I just want to, or when I'm fighting with somebody that, the funny thing is the, the harder we fight, the more we love somebody. Touche. Absolutely. So the people we love the most, we are the hardest with, we fight the hardest with somebody that we love. And it gets ugly sometimes. It gets ugly. And it gets so ugly. Think about, you remember the message you sent me? In the midst of my, you know, I reclused myself and you were always checking on me. And then I just really wasn't following up. And I, I just was like, no, I'm not. And you were like, I care about you. I want to see you. But it's like, there comes a time where it's going to stop if you don't, you know, and that's what I'm like, <laughs> you know, a bad person doesn't say that to you. Somebody who really cares about you says, hey, look, dude, I miss you. I know you're going through some stuff right now but you need to get the hell over it or get out of it. And you need to, you know, we need to, whatever it is. And you kind of gave me a little bit of a reality check. And I, you know, I'm still kind of coming out of you know that whole, you know, uh, that thing. Cause it was just one thing after another for me, not to make excuses. It's just the way the cookie crumbled that time. And, you know, as much as I'd like to think, Oh, I can handle anything thrown at me. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> and you know, my way of, and this is what I've learned. My way of dealing with things is wrong. I would recluse and be like, okay, I'll process I'll self-heal, I'll do this stuff, and then I'll rejoin the world. Here's the deal. The world's moved on. It moves on without you, regardless of what you do. doesn't matter. So there's things I missed out on. I mean, you're, the video that you sent me, that, that whole amazing magical moment, I missed it. But that's my fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. You know, and I, I do. I will sincerely apologize for missing that moment because it really, I got... After you said that to me, and I just, I watched it over and over and over and over and over again. And I was so happy for you. So happy. And I'm just pissed I didn't get to be there. You know, because I've made just crap decisions and be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, hold myself up and whatever. And I know it doesn't matter however I show up at your, I could show up at your house tonight and you'd be like, come on in. You know, like, I know you. I know you, you're near and dear to me. So if a lesson I've learned, I'm going to say it again, I'm sorry, you know, and I, I will fix this. So I need to make it up to you. You don't have to make anything up to me. You just got to be my friend, you, can, you know, 
and you you can't uh just don't get too close because he will try to kill you he'll do <laughs> eventually everybody around me has one near-death experience caused by me it's just uh it's just part of the 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 price of the ticket to ride with me like i cannot honestly i cannot think of one friend that has not had some kind of kind of close near-death experience around me uh you know and everything i've i've got like a whole book full of them at this point well you're so you're the i remember the first halloween party that you did that had the bounce house i was not at that one i came to the next one and you told me like the horrific events about <laughs> in the bounce house but it was so funny the people that were there the previous year they're like oh my god it was so scary the whole it was like caving in and all that stuff and then this last go i mean it was i get it now but it's just like you guys were having so much fun like so much fun sometimes the most dangerous things are also the funnest things makes you feel alive oh my god the just the jeering and the laugh i mean everything but I would just see like the people go up, go down the slide, go up, go down. I mean, just it's, it was like a constant merry-go-round of people, and it just got funnier. I just want you around. That's the thing, you know. It's like, and I know that you've you've been going through a whole lot in your life and everything like that. But I, you know, it's like I said, I miss you. I miss you too. I miss you a lot. Like you know, you're a big part of my life, you know, and you've got me through some really tough times and. The hard part with you is you uh, wall yourself off and you're like a little fortress and, you know, everybody else, you know, we're trying to get to you, but you're just in your, you're locked away in your castle and everything. So it makes it hard, you know, it's because it's like we miss you and we want to be there for you, but, you know, your way of healing is not to have people around so it's hard well and it's not it's not a good one i mean because the way i th i've thought about it was just you like you said you come to me for advice other people and i'm not saying i give great advice i'm just like this is what i'm thinking right now but a lot of people do that and the and i'm like i can't be weak and i can't be like they need me for help i can't like i can't do that and then i realize it's a two-way street like i know my closest friends would be like if i said rob i need help I need help. And you're like, what? I know you'd pull out all the stops. You wouldn't even bat an eye, you know? So I, that's something I, I'm, I'm working on truthfully, but I can't wall myself off anymore, you know? Cause it, it, it gets lonely. I will admit it gets very lonely. And we miss you. You know, it used to be like a nonstop good time all the time, brunches and going out to clubs and hanging out and all that stuff, going to, you know, haunted houses, all, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, Barry's gone, and I mean, we all know why, but, you know, but it, it sucks. I was telling that story the other day, not, I'm sorry to keep babbling. Babble, that's what we're here for. We're having a conversation. Everybody out there is just listening at this point. So, you remember Frightmare Manor, right? The whole, like, a big old group of us went, and it was just so funny. Like you and I were walking through the front and you were like, oh, something's going to pop out around that corner. And you'd hear like that, that hydraulics or the air system that remember that thing, that like dragon head or whatever that was that came through. You and I were standing there like this. We're like, Ooh, <laughs> like it didn't even face. Like, so we went through the whole thing and we had fun, but just everybody else behind us screaming. 
<laughs> it was so funny. I was telling that story, like, you don't scare easily? I'm like, unless I have to watch Terrifier with Rob, then yes, it's terrifying. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, oh, God. Yeah, then once I told people that, they would send me the picture of when he did the Saw thing with the girl upside down. They'll send me that picture. And I'm like, God, God I hate you guys. <laughs> like, delete, 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 delete. We'll definitely have to get together soon, have a movie that, and watch part two. Oh well, yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll def I'll own up to that one for sure, and uh, I'll either cook or I'll do a brunch or something. I do. I miss entertaining. I want to do that again. So it's been a minute. My cooking skills are rusty, so I may poison somebody. For everybody out there, he makes the most wonderful brunch I've ever had. Even and I'm counting like anywhere I've ever eaten out in like you know a five star restaurant or anything. It does not come close to berries cooking, especially berries, 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 berries. <laughs> and it's always such a good time. It is, and I, I want to. It, it's always fun. I actually one of my favorite things is seeing your face. Like when we you're eating, we make eye contact. And you're like, <laughs> like you're excited for the food. That makes me so happy when people are excited to eat the food. I love that part. Well, I've really enjoyed this, Barry, and it was good to just sit down and talk to you. I know, and I'm 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 glad you're you're starting to feel somewhat better. So I'm starting to get there. It's been a road to recovery and everything. It's because you haven't had berries, berries in so long. Maybe that's it. Hey, berries, ha berries, berries probably has higher antioxidants than most berries. So say that like five times fast. <laughs> probably something derogatory would come out. So <laughs> we try it. Oh, God. But this has been an absolute play. This has been fun. I really appreciate this. Again, thank you for being my friend, and I love you. Oh, I love you, too. Thank you for being my friend. If this is a Golden Girls moment, it's the thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Life should be full of Golden Girls moments. Absolutely. Even with little mishaps when you might accidentally like pee your pants or something like that. We all do it. It should, We can move on from there and laugh about it. So, But yeah, I definitely look forward to getting together. So I miss you and I love you too. I want to thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Also check out the video podcast at Handlebar ASMR on YouTube for extras.